Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Just before we begin this episode, I'd like to remind you of the sponsors of this episode of Luke's English Podcast, and that's italki. Uh, with italki, you can find native English speakers and qualified teachers uh, for online lessons where you can practice your spoken English. And the cool thing is that as well as it being a bit more affordable than uh, lessons you might find in a language school. Uh, it's also way more convenient because you can have lessons and conversations from within the comfort of your own home. It's brilliant. Uh, speaking to native speakers is really the best way of pushing your spoken fluency into overdrive. Uh, and I imagine that you would like to push your spoken fluency into overdrive. Um, and if, you, if you'd like to do that, just go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk to get started, just check out italki there. You can sign up free and just have a look at the service and browse some of the teachers and native speakers they have there and check out the other stuff they've got. And if you're if you're up for it, you can, you know, pay for some lessons or some some conversations. And when you do make your first purchase, italki will then give you a voucher because you're a listener of Luke's English podcast, they'll give you a voucher which is worth about ten dollars, which you can then spend on other stuff in the future. So you know they'll reward you basically uh, for being a listener of Luke's English podcast. And if you'd like to take advantage of that offer, you have to go through my special URL, which is teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. If you go via that that URL, or if you just click one of the iTalky logos on my website. That's how you will then qualify for that offer. Okay, so check out italki and get your spoken fluency in check. All right, and when I say check, I mean get it under control. Don't not check the Czech language. Uh, although you can learn Czech on italki as well. In fact, you can learn loads of languages. It's not just English. You can learn Czech. You can learn Polish. You can learn Japanese. You know, just so many different languages, it's brilliant. Okay, so that's it for this little intro bit at the beginning. I really should stop talking now and start the jingle so you can actually get into the episode. So here we go. Start the jingle! You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, boys and girls. Hello, babies. Hello, dogs and cats and goldfish. Uh, hello to uh, all the animals, vegetables and minerals, all creatures, great and small, who are listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. You're all welcome. Uh, aliens, um, ghosts, I don't know, zombies. If you're listening to this, then welcome. This episode of Luke's English Podcast features an interview with English teacher and podcaster Craig Wheland from inglespodcast.com. Craig is originally from Essex in England, but he now lives in Valencia in Spain, where he works as an English teacher and a Cambridge examiner for the British Council. 
Craig has been an English teacher for over 20 years, and for the past few years he's also been producing episodes of his Learning English podcast, which won the award for Best Educational Podcast in the UK Podcaster Awards last year. In the episode, uh, we're going to find out about Craig. I'll talk to him about various things, including his career, his teaching experiences, his podcasting, and also I ask him some random quick-fire questions, just like he does with his guests on his podcast. Now, before we get into the interview, I'm now going to give you a preamble where I mention a few things about swearing and vocabulary, all right? So this is now a preamble which might take about 10 to 15 minutes, okay? But the interview is coming, I promise. So this is a preamble. What's a preamble, you might be thinking? That's preamble, P-R-E-A-M-B-L-E, which sounds a bit like a ramble, and it's similar, I suppose, because it might involve some rambling, but, you know, this is Luke's English podcast. What did you expect? Um, But a preamble basically is a, a kind of preliminary statement or information that comes before the main content, okay? So this is just some stuff before the main like meat of the episode. So it's a starter, essentially. All right? This is a three-course meal, this episode. First, you'll get the preamble, um, which is like the starter. Then you'll get the main course, which is the interview itself. And then you'll get a dessert at the end, which is just some more information and announcements at the end, which I hope will be sweet in some way. You'll have to wait and see. So... Here now is the preamble, okay? You don't mind a preamble, do you? You don't mind a bit of information at the top of the episode, do you? No? Not really? Maybe a little bit? (laughs) What's that? Oh, get on with it, Luke. Okay, then. Right, so first point in the preamble is a note about swearing on the podcast. Now, you should just know here that there's a little bit of swearing in this episode, and I mean just a little bit. It's just a couple of S words sort of in the middle of the interview. In fact, it's not even significant. It's not even... uh, It doesn't really warrant a huge comment about swearing. But I thought that I would, first of all, just let you know that there is a bit of swearing in this episode, but also just take this opportunity to just sort of make a few comments about swearing in general on Luke's English podcast, all right? So um, I, I just want to mention these points about swearing, just to be clear about it, just to clarify the position Um, So, first of all, swearing is pretty common in the English language. It's pretty common in English language culture. Uh, But it's still very rude if you use swear words in the wrong situations. Usually, we just swear when we're with close friends or in certain informal situations, like at a football game, in a comedy club, or when we're particularly angry, like, for example, when you're driving and another driver does something dangerous on the road, you might swear in that situation. Or when you hit your thumb with a hammer and it hurts a lot, you might swear then. Those are the sorts of situations in which it's normal to swear. We also just swear with our friends sometimes, but it you know it depends on the friends, of course. But sometimes, you know, it's not when you're angry or anything. It's just when you're sort of relaxing and having a laugh with your friends in an informal way, you know? But um, for you as a learner of English, I would say, without wanting to sound patronising or anything, I would say just be aware of the impact of swearing in some situations and remember that, of course, you shouldn't really do it in a business meeting, usually. Um, You shouldn't really swear in classrooms uh, and you shouldn't swear in front of your host family or something like that. In fact, swearing is quite a subtle and complex art 
And if you do it wrong and in the wrong moment, then it can make you look really bad. Of course, I mean, you probably knew that already, to be fair. Most of you, for most of you, it's exactly the same in your cultures, I imagine. So I'm probably massively stating the obvious here by saying this. But anyway, I just want it to be clear. So I would say, if in doubt, don't swear, all right? Now, if you're, if you're interested in swearing and you want to know more, then you can go back to one of my other episodes of, of the podcast. Just check the episode archive. Something around the 150... Ep- no, was it? No, I think it's about episode 87, I think. Um, I did a, a whole episode on swearing with my brother, and it's called uh, The Complete Guide to How to Swear in British English. So if you want to know all of the ins and outs of swearing and all of the rudest words, you can check that out. It's called uh, How to Swear in British English. Um, but um, so, yeah, as I said, if in doubt, don't swear. However, I want this podcast to be an authentic reflection of natural English. And so I do include some swearing sometimes. Uh, my aim is not to offend anyone. Uh, my aim is just to sort of, you know, present the language to you. Personally, I'm not bothered by swearing. I don't mind it at all. In fact, I'm rarely offended by it. And in fact, I think that in the right situation, in the right circumstances, I actually find it quite enjoyable. But I know that you might be listening to this with kids in the car or something, or you might not like these words in general. So, uh, when swearing does happen in an episode, I will just try to give you fair warning in advance. So, I might just say at the beginning, by the way, there's a bit of swearing in the episode. Uh, For a while, I used to bleep out swear words when they happened in interviews. So, you might have heard a kind of beep sound instead of a swear word sometimes. Um, in, and actually, I got a few messages saying to me, why are you bleeping out the swear words, Luke? I want to hear the swear words. I want to actually be able to hear every word uh, in each episode, especially the swear words. Uh, so in fact, a lot of you just really want to hear the swear words. Um, now, I know what most of you are thinking. You're thinking now... It's fine, Luke. There's no need to justify it. We don't mind. No worries. No problem. Just get on with the podcast. Come on. Bring it on. Let's hear this interview. Okay, then. Yes, I don't need to go on about it anymore. So let's just carry on now. And that brings us back to uh, Mr. Craig Wheeland and his podcast. So Craig produces and records episodes of English Podcast himself. And there are three types of episode on the show. There's Learn English with Reza and Craig, in which he's joined by his friend Reza. And there's Pass FCE, which is all about the Cambridge FCE exam. And then there's Mansion Interviews, in which Craig interviews various interesting people that he's discovered in one way or another. And last year, Craig contacted me for an interview on his podcast, and I was very happy to be considered interesting enough to be interviewed on the show. Um, and you, in fact, you can listen to that episode of Inglés podcast uh, uh, with me by clicking the link uh, that you will find on the page for this episode, or just go to you know inglespodcast.com and look back in the archives, and you'll find it there. Uh, or the, probably the quickest way is just visit the page for this episode, and you'll see a link. Uh, you click that, and then you can listen and download uh, that ep- that conversation from last year. By the way. You ought to know that Craig's website and podcast are both created specifically for speakers of Spanish who are learning English. So if you are a Spanish speaker, then you should be particularly interested in Craig's work. And I suggest that you check it out. Um, But it's not just for Spanish speakers. 
the majority of the content on the podcast is for anyone learning English. Some Spanish words crop up every now and then, but, you know, for the most part, it's all English. Um, so, Craig and I have a few things in common as we're both English teachers who do podcasts and who live in foreign countries. So, it was really nice to chat to him um, and invite him onto my podcast. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed listening to it. So, just a reminder check out mansioningles.com and englishpodcast.com for Craig's work and his podcast. Um, so, this is still the preamble, ladies and gents, because now I want to just um, say a couple of things about vocabulary. So, during this conversation, various nice chunks of vocabulary came up naturally, and I would like you to listen out for them. These are just bits of vocabulary that I think you should notice. They're sort of natural expressions that you could add to your vocabulary. I've listened to the interview again, and because I'm nice, I've actually prepared a list of those expressions, and I've printed them on the page for this episode. So, you can just go there take the expressions, put them in your vocab list or your flashcards app or whatever, and, you know, really pick them up and learn them. But I'm also going to read them out to you now. Um, so as a listening exercise, you can try to notice these expressions as they appear naturally in the conversation. That's right. You can play a game of vocab hunter if you want to. There's no pressure. Uh, you don't, you're not forced to play vocab hunter if you don't want to. But if you want to, you can play Vocab Hunter. Remember that? That's where you identify bits of vocab in a conversation and then sort of shoot them uh, and then take them for yourself. Um, so you can play Vocab Hunter if you want, or otherwise you can just not. Or you could, if you if it pleases you, you could just have a cup of tea and a biscuit and listen to the podcast if you prefer. But um, here now are the phrases that you should try to identify. And there are about 35 of them. I'm now going to read them out, but it'll be super duper quick. I'm just going to read out the phrases really quickly. The main thing is I just want you to be mindful and notice these phrases, all right? I'm not going to explain them all now. I'm just reading out for you, uh, reading them out for you quickly. But in the next episode of this podcast, which I will upload soon, I'm going to go through all these phrases properly, explaining and clarifying them. And that should really help you to learn them. So now, let me quickly just list these expressions like a robot. Uh, these are expressions to look out for in the episode. And they will be fully explained and clarified in the next one. Okay? So, here we go. So, it's about time I did something. It's about time I got you back on the podcast. It's about time I did something. It's been getting on for, or to be getting on for, blah, 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 years. It's been getting on for... It's been getting on for about three years. It's been getting on for three years. To end up doing something. How did you end up being an English teacher? To end up doing something. To take the credit for something. I took part of the credit for that. To take the credit for something. To see yourself doing something. I just didn't see myself doing a clerical job. I just didn't see myself doing a clerical job. To see yourself doing something. To do something willy-nilly. You, you couldn't just give away money willy-nilly. To do something willy-nilly. To brush shoulders with someone. You must have brushed shoulders with Essex's finest. To brush shoulders with someone. To get over something. As soon as I got over the fear of standing in front of people. 
to get over something. With your tail between your legs. I came back to Spain with my tail between my legs. With your tail between your legs. To look at something or to see something in a different light. You start looking at things in a different light. To look at something in a different light. The grass is always greener on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side. A cocoon. A cocoon. A cocoon. I lived in an English cocoon for the first year. Just the word erratic. Erratic. As drivers, they're very erratic and dangerous. Um, a scrape and a dent. It was just a scrape, a small dent in the car. A scrape and a dent. Tailgating. Lots of tailgating goes on when you're driving. Tailgating. To fall short. Customer service sometimes falls a bit short. To fall short. To be on a mission to do something. I'm always on a mission to go to the pub. To be on a mission to do something. By the way, listeners, um, do you know all of these phrases? Can you use them all? Are you confident that you can use them and you know them all? Keep listening. Um, Next is uh, to nurse something. I want to just sit in a pub nursing a pint of Guinness. To nurse something. To be constipated. To be constipated. To be coming along. For example, my French is coming along. To be coming along. To squeeze something in. It's a question of trying to squeeze in bits of learning into the lifestyle. To squeeze something in. To rub off on someone. It doesn't just magically rub off on you. To rub off on someone. To get by. They had to, they had to use the language in order to get by in a work environment. To get by. To pull out the stops. If I don't pull out the stops and work on the language, then it's not going to improve. To pull out the stops. To turn the tables on someone. And to be in the hot seat. I'm turning the tables on you now, Craig. You're going to be in the hot seat this time. To turn the tables on someone and to be in the hot seat. To guard something with your life. I guard my work desk with my life. To guard something with your life. To dare to do something. If she dares to put a pen on my desk, I shout at her and we have an argument. To dare to do something. To have a whiff of something. You'd keep them in a bag and every now and then you'd take a look at them and have a whiff of the petrol. To have a whiff of something. To look down your nose at something. Um, Cats just look down their nose at you, don't they? To look down your nose at something. To be keen on something. I've never been very keen on cats, to be honest. To be keen on something. To talk someone round. I just can't talk you round. I can't convince you. To talk someone round. Uh, To be needy and high maintenance. The thing about dogs is that they're just too needy. They're too high maintenance. Needy and high maintenance. And then finally, the word fickle. Fickle. Doesn't that bother you that they're so fickle? Fickle. F-I-C-K-L-E. Okay, so there are some phrases that you're going to hear in this conversation, all listed there, completely out of context. Um, 
Visit the page for this episode to read those expressions. You could Google them or look them up in a dictionary or just wait for the next episode when I will clarify them properly. Uh, but what, what you should be doing, if you like, while you're listening to this, is just try and notice some of those expressions as they actually naturally happen. Okay, So see if you can spot the phrases or alternatively just kick back, relax and enjoy this mellow conversation with Craig Wheeland, which is going to start right now. Hi, Craig. How are you today? Hello, Luke. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, too. Thanks. Um, so you're in uh, Valencia in Spain at this point, I think. That's right. I am. Yeah. How is it this morning? It's beautiful. It's sunny. It's warm. Spring is on the way. Yeah. And um, the birds are singing. It's very nice here. Fantastic. Um, so um, I've got lots of questions here for you. Um, and... Well, it was about a year that a year ago that uh, you had me on your podcast, so I thought it was about time that I got you back on onto Luke's English podcast. Um, so, thank you very much. So, okay, so let's see. So, you're you're a teacher, you're a podcaster, uh, you're an expat living in Spain. Um, now, the the podcast is called English Podcast, and it's sort of associated with a website called Mansion Ingles. Is that right? That's right, yes. So what's Mansion Inglés all about? Mansion Inglés is a, is a website that uh, I started with my good friend and partner, Luis, in 2001. And it's uh, a site for learning English aimed at Spanish speakers. Uh-huh. Okay. And we have free courses there and material to, to learn English if you happen to speak Spanish. And the, the podcast kind of started from from there a few years ago. How how many years have you been doing the podcast now? Oh, I think it's probably getting on for nearly three years. Um, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously. Was there Before a t- that, it wasn't really worth listening to between really? you, you and me. Don't tell anybody <laughs> that. But just, yeah, it's better now. Well, it wasn't serious before. No, it was boring. I fell asleep halfway through it usually <laughs> because I was doing it by myself. And now I have a co-host who is also a teacher. He teaches with me here at the, the uh, British Council in uh, in Valencia. Uh-huh. And he's a good friend. We've known each other for years. And when I started doing the podcast with him, I think it got a lot better yeah. because we, we get on well together and we both teach English. Right. It's good to have other people on. It just sort of gives it another dynamic. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the fact that you're an English teacher. So, how long have you been teaching English now? Um, over twenty years. Wow. Yeah, a long time. Okay. So, um, like, how did you get into that then? How did you end up being an English teacher? Because I say end up being an English teacher because I think, in my experience, most people sort of end up doing that, don't they? Rather than sort of setting out to be one from day one. You know, yeah, not- I suppose. What, I think what you're really saying, Luke, is if I've been doing it for over 20 years, it's too late now to change to any decent profession and get a real job. Yeah, you're stuck. Which, yeah, I, I'll agree with that. I, I'm stuck with it. That's it. Um, so, yeah, so how did you get into English teaching then? Well, I used to be i used to live in in israel um and i was on a kibbutz for a number of years i was actually a member of a a kibbutz and my neighbor my israeli neighbor worked in the garden Mm. and he used to um, have volunteers from other countries working with him in the gardens but he couldn't speak any english 
And a group of really attractive Swedish girls arrived to volunteer on the kibbutz and they wanted to work in the garden. And one day he came to me and said, Craig, I, I can't, they're gorgeous. I can't speak to these women in, because I spoke Hebrew with him. Yeah. He said, can you, can you help me? Can you teach me a few words in English so that I can, have, I can meet these girls? And I had no idea how to do it. So I found a book that was probably printed in the 1950s, yeah. something, a grammar translation. Yeah. And um, we started to sit uh, together over a long sort of winter and I tried to teach him some English and I got satisfaction out of teaching him a few words and phrases, although I had no idea how to do it. Right. But I got interested in the fact that I could teach my language to someone. So from there, I decided to go back to the UK, take a proper TEFL course to learn how to teach. Yeah. Um, and then it all started from, from there. And then I took a, another more advanced course. I started teaching and eventually moved to Spain to teach. Right, I see. And, and, and what happened with the gardener and the Swedish girls? He was quite successful. Really? But he, but, but he, ended, up, he ended up marrying um, an Israeli girl. Oh, okay. he, 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 was, he did have some success with the Swedish volunteers, I'm happy to say, and I take part of the credit for that. Yeah, you should. You should yeah. do. It sounds like you, you, know, you worked hard to kind of uh, give him the skills that he needed in order to uh, yeah, have that success. So, you know, well done. I like to think so. Yeah. We, we need motivational factors when we're learning a language. We do. And, and, and sometimes women or men come into that. That's right. They do, don't they? So you were, you were working on a kibbutz. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? So uh, in Israel, what, what's the kibbutz and what does that involve and what was it like? Well, a kibbutz used to be, um, <laughs> in, in the ideological days, it used yeah. to be a kind of socialist commune where people would work together for the common good. Mm. Although these days, and, and I don't really have much contact now with, with Israel or the kibbutz movement, but I think now it's kind of changed a lot and it's not as socialist and as um, equal as it used to be. Right. But I... Um, went to Israel because I had a dead-end job in the UK. I had a job that really didn't have many prospects. And my dad said, well, why don't you go away and think about things for a few months? Mm. And a good place to go that doesn't cost a lot of money is a kibbutz in Israel where you can volunteer, get your food and your accommodation, have a think and come back later to the UK and, and maybe find a career. Okay, and that's exactly so that's what why, happened. And that's exactly what happened, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, all right, then, so you were working in a dead-end job. What was it that you were doing? I worked for the civil service. Oh, um, yeah. I worked for the DHSS in, in, uh, where I grew up, in Essex. Yeah. And um, it, it was okay. There was a fantastic social life there. But I didn't see myself doing a clerical job of that nature uh, five or ten years down the line. So I worked for about two years there. Um, And I had worked before in insurance as well, which I didn't really fit into either. So a series of office jobs and clerical jobs led me to escape and go abroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where the, the sort of adventure began, I suppose. The DHSS, that's the Department of Health and Social Security, is it? Yes, supplementary benefits. So if you needed help from the government, if you, 
needed help because you were a single parent family or you were unemployed or you were sick and you needed benefits. If you yeah. needed money from the, from the state, you came to me. <laughs> and then I decided if you should get money and how much money you should get. Right, I see. Were you ever tempted to just say, yeah, go on, you can just have, look, just have all of this money, that's fine? I don't well, know. I, yeah, it was quite strict, Luke. You know, you couldn't just willy-nilly... <laughs> Willy nilly, you couldn't just give away money as and when you felt like it. And there was this huge pain of plastic kind of perspex between you and the person who was claiming money to stop them breaking the glass and strangling you if they didn't get them their money. So you actually came face to face with the with the benefit claimants then, did you? In yes. Essex. Yes, I did. Yeah, for two right. years. Right, I see. So you must have like uh, brushed shoulders, as it were, with uh, some some of Essex's finest, some of the community. I did. Some of the upstanding members of the Essex community okay. passed through my office. Right, I see. Wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> so then, then, um, so you know, you were fed up with working in an office and 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 so on. You went to uh, join the kibbutz and uh, and then the teaching. All right. So. Um, Let's see. How do you find then being an English teacher? I mean, how does that compare to working in the office? Well, I've always loved. I've always loved teaching. As soon as I stepped in the classroom and got over, got over, recovered from the fear of standing up in front of people and having their attention on me, which was very difficult in the beginning. Um, when I got into it and I started to um, learn the techniques of teaching. Then I love the uh, class dynamic. I love meeting new students. I love the fact that at the end of the lesson, hopefully they would know a little bit more than they did before they started the lesson. And just to see my efforts rewarded for me was, was fantastic. I've always enjoyed teaching. Mm, yeah, you do get a sort of direct feeling of, you know, when, when you've done a good job or, you know, you can see the results happening in front of your eyes when it's working. Um, what, what, um, being an English teacher can be a bit of a strange experience too, you know, because we kind of work directly with people and it's a very personal thing, you know, learning a language. Have you ever had any weird experiences or strange experiences as as a teacher? Um, I know I have. I started teaching for, um, Berlitz Mm -hmm. and they have their own, method and their own books and you kind of have to read from the script and then get the students to answer that was my first job yeah so one day I went into a class that I assumed was beginners and I opened to page one the new class and I said this is a pen and I held up a pen yeah and I repeated this is a pen and I said what is this is it a pen and one of the students says, well, it looks like a pen to me. So it was an advanced class that I'd walked into with the wrong book. And I'd, I'd been drilling, this is a pen, this is a pen, repeat, repeat, for about 15 minutes. And they were staring at me. I thought, this class is a bit slow. And when I actually asked the question to get them to speak, well, it looks like a pen to me. <laughs> oh my that was one of the... Um, <laughs> strangest yeah. moments of my teaching career. So I learned from that. It's all an experience. You absolutely. learn from these things to check the book before you walk into the class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're living in Spain then. Is that where you've, you've taught then? Is that the only place that you've, you've taught English? 
I talked a little bit in the UK and then I wandered around Thailand for a while and, and talked a little bit in the north of Thailand in Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. And I nearly taught in France where you are. Oh, I yeah. had a girlfriend from, uh, from France and we were living in Aix-en-Provence. And I got a job with the Chambre de Commerce, the, sh- the Chamber of Commerce, ah. but I didn't actually start it because, uh, long story, the relationship broke up and I, I came back to Spain with my towel between my legs. Okay. All right. But uh, so uh, you live in Valencia. Have yes. you Have you always lived in that part of Spain? Yes, because my parents retired here. So they bought a nice house down the coast when they retired. And um, the nearest place that I could get an English teaching job was Valencia. So I'm about an hour and a half drive away from where my family live. Oh, that's nice. It is. Um, so what's it like living in Spain then? Or, or living in that part of Spain uh, uh, anyway? What's it like it's, there? It's, it's warm most of the year. It's noisy. Um, the food's good. Um, it's very relaxed and laid back a lot more than Israel was. Really? Uh, it's um, quite, a, quite a comfortable life. Um, there are things I don't like about it, but I think that's true wherever you live. I don't know if you're finding this, Luke, that when you move to a country, you, you're on a honeymoon for a year and yeah. you love the place. And after a, after a while, you, can't, you start looking at things in a different light, a different way, and you think, well, yeah, maybe it would be better if uh, the grass is always greener on the other side. But generally speaking, I'm very, very happy here. Yeah, I do find that until you get kind of culture shock and it comes in waves you know, like different experiences, like, you know, first of all, everything's new and exciting. And then once you get used to that, you start to get frustrated with things. And then you sort of start to realize why those things are the case. And then you move on and, and so on. Did you experience culture shock when you moved to Spain then? Um, no, I didn't. I think it's because it's so European. Yeah, I didn't really experience culture shock. I, I lived in, a, in an English cocoon for the first year. Yeah. My, uh, I, I taught, obviously, at the British Council, so my colleagues uh, all spoke English to me. I socialized with English speakers, mm-hmm. and it took me about a year before I actually started learning Spanish when I decided I was going to make a life here. Yeah. I took classes, and I was serious about, about learning Spanish. But um, not not culture shock, no, not, okay. not at the beginning. Yeah, it's not that different, really, I suppose, to, to life in the UK. Just the driving is a bit different. Right. There's, what, what is it about the driving? They're crazy. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> red lights don't mean anything to these people. They're, they don't think before they approach roundabouts. They're very erratic and very dangerous. Really? Um, and I had an accident a couple of uh, weeks ago, actually. Oh, gosh. Are you okay? Yeah, it was just a scrape, just yeah. a, a small dent in the car. But um, yeah, crazy drivers over here. Goodness. I remember driving in Spain uh, when I was there on holiday and lots of tailgating goes on exactly exactly they love driving right up the back bumper uh if you're not going quite fast enough for them they will just drive all the way up as close to you as possible yeah although i remember being in paris once and a guy was reversing up (laughs) up a street for for about 10 minutes actually (laughs) driving in reverse because it was a one-way street not just not just reversing a few yards reversing for all of the street right yeah, Amazing. yeah. Yeah, you get some pretty crazy drivers here too. Um, so, what? I mean, you know, the driving is a bit tricky. You mentioned that uh, you're not completely happy with everything. No. Can, can you tell me any of those things? What are the things that frustrate you then about living there? Well, there's the driving. Have I mentioned that? Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
I don't want to criticize Valencia too much because it is a lovely place, but yeah. maybe perhaps the um, kind of service sometimes in shops could mm-hmm. could be a bit a bit better customer service. Yeah. And sometimes falls a bit short. Um, yeah. It's not quite what you'd expect. Um, but the people are very friendly. They're very they're very sociable. Um, yeah. So you know, it's. It, I don't want to complain. I mean, it's just it, it is a nice place, and uh, hopefully one day you'll come and visit, and, uh, and I'll show it to you. Oh yeah, that would be great. I've you know looking at the photos of the place, it does look gorgeous. Um, so at, what about life in the UK? Do you miss it? I miss friends. Yeah. Um, but then they love. I live near the beach, so they come to visit quite a lot. So I'm, I'm pleased about that. Um, yeah. And I miss. I you know what I miss. I miss going to the local shop. Um, mm. And just chatting and having a joke and a laugh with like a local shopkeeper. Yeah, just that that English conversation and a repartee or just exchanging words with with people you see on a regular basis. Yeah, that familiarity. I can speak Spanish and I do that in Spanish, but it's not the same. It's just the the, the language that I love, the English interchange with a local news agent, for example. Yeah, and that you get like the little jokes and the bits of understatement and the sort of sarcasm and, and stuff like that. And yeah. the pubs, I mean, if there's a football game on, yes, I'll go to a bar here and watch it, but it's not the same cosy British pub atmosphere over yeah. here in Spain. It's different. It's not necessarily worse. It's just different. So I did, I miss that. I miss the pubs. Me too. I actually, whenever I go back to the UK, I, I'm always like on a mission to go to the pub, even more than I was before. You yeah. know, I'm like, all I want to do, I just want to sit in a pub for an afternoon and, you know, just nursing a, a pint of, of Guinness or something. Um, so um, what are Spanish learners of English like? And do they have any specific problems in your experience? They're very friendly. They're very talkative. They um, they tend to approach the lesson quite informally, so that's uh-huh. nice. Yeah. Um, they 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 do like to talk, which is great. Um, language problems. Well, you've probably got this with French students. There's mm-hmm. the direct translation problems. So, uh-huh. whereas they'd say in Spanish something like um, "tengo 25 años," which if you translate to English is I have 25 years. Right. They'd say that instead of I'm 25. Right. Yeah, same um, in so French. A, yeah, direct translation. There's some pronunciation difficulties. They like to say the ch-ch-ch with the H. Uh-huh. So it's, so it's hello, how are you? I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> that would be a Spanish pronunciation. The vowel sounds because obviously um, English isn't said the way it's written with many words. Uh-huh. So you, they would say free end instead of friend. They would say boat instead of boat. Right. Um, Spanish is lovely because you pretty much say it as you read it, but you don't do that in English. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Words like although they have problems with because of the spelling or island with the silent letters. So those typical things that I'm sure they're very similar in French, but maybe a little bit different. Mm. No, no, much the same kind of stuff. Yeah, words like though, although, through cough laugh those sorts of things that uh, yeah. yeah english is a bit of a nightmare when it comes to you know the the relationship between this the sort of written word and the spoken word isn't it um yeah and also in french as you said the the direct translation you you find that for example in french they don't have an equivalent for the present perfect tense mm-hmm. which causes all sorts of problems so you hear people saying i am you know i am living here 
since three years, for example, when it should be yeah. obviously I've been living here for three and years. It, it's just teaching them how to sort of correct that and not translate directly all mm. the time. But that usually comes when they're when they're a little bit more advanced. But there's a funny one with uh, constipado, uh-huh. which, which is. Um, <laughs> not what you think it might be. Yeah, because it sounds like constipated. If you're constipated, obviously that means that, uh, you know... Yes, you're... you'd hear that a lot. You'd say, my nose is running, I'm constipated. But it, <laughs> constipado is actually, I've got a cold. It's blocked at the other end. So that... Right. And, and embarrassado is is uh, pregnant. It's not, not embarrassed. Oh, I see. So um, it's funny to me because well, you don't have to be embarrassed because you're pregnant. It's, uh, so anyway. wait a minute. If someone says, oh, you know... I, I, uh, I can't drink any wine because I'm embarrassed. Is that what yes, they would say? Exactly. I mean, like, so embarazada, no... I'm, in, I'm embarrassed. It's, it's not that, it's I'm pregnant. And so you say, there's no, there's no need to be embarrassed. It's <laughs> okay. There's no need to be embarrassed. You can drink it? wine, it's all right. We're, you, you're among friends here. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm real, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been embarrassed for six months. <laughs> it was a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And the other one was what constipated, or which obviously constipated. There, there are many, but those two spring to mind. Okay. All right. I just want. I, I wonder if my listeners know what constipated means. I don't think that's a word that I've dealt with on Luke's English podcast before. Who's going to explain it, Craig? Is it going to be you? Well, it's is blocked, it isn't it? It's blocked. It's when your body is blocked, when nothing passes, but it's not from your nose, as you might think. It's from the other end, right? From your bottom. So when you what if you've eaten what? What is it that causes? constipation oh um you have bananas e- is it i don't know, I don't know. It's, it's when you haven't eaten enough fiber i think something like that and you just you you can't quite produce it's when you can't do a shit basically that's what i'm trying to say exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. in a nutshell yeah uh um <laughs> not that you would shit in a nutshell not that you would shit a nutshell unless you'd been eating nuts with the shell in which case you would be constipated especially if it was a big nut exactly yeah like a walnut for example yeah. <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> this is this is the this is what I like to talk. This is the sort of thing I like to talk about, Craig. Eating nuts and doing a shit into, a, nut, into a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, getting back to more serious things, you're um, at the British Council. You're a Cambridge speaking examiner. Is that right? That's right. I so, am. So, did that involve? You're one of those guys who sits there when there's a, a came, an FCE speaking exam and you, you have to do all that stuff like asking them the questions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, yep. So any tips, any, any quick tips for the speaking test if any of my listeners are going to take the FCE speaking exam? Any quick tips? What are, the, what are the, some of the, 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 the definite don'ts? What are some things that they shouldn't do, like classic mistakes that you see sometimes? Well, they shouldn't not talk. Uh-huh. It's only English. Don't get nervous. Many people come in and they're very nervous and they want to practice the speaking before the exam. And I say, no, it's not necessary. The speaking is relatively easy, especially for for Spanish speakers. And I suspect French teachers also, uh, French students also, sorry, who... um, who, who aren't necessarily shy about speaking generally, mm. not, not like the Japanese. So my advice would just be to just speak. You have to show the examiner that you are good at English, that you know English. Mm. So you have to speak. I think the tendency is to let nerves control you mm. so you're very quiet and you don't interact with your partner. Mm. Um, so just go in there and show the examiner that you can speak English um, answer the questions as fully as possible. Don't give yes or no answers. 
Mm. Um, there's one part in most of the more advanced exams like the FCE, CAE, where you have to interact and speak with your, with your partner. Yeah. So just turn your chair a little bit, look at your partner, speak to your partner, ask your partner questions like, what do you think? Do you agree? Make sure there's that interaction yeah. going on. And, and don't, don't just speak to the examiner as a, as a monologue in that situation. So be as interactive as possible. Mm-hmm. And just relax and, and just try, try and enjoy the test and show your English and, and speak as much as, as, as possible. Okay, great. Um, do, do Spanish um, students have a little bit of a confidence issue? Because in France, I find that uh, my French students often have a little bit of a hang-up about their English. Um, and you, you find that people can be very shy, actually, um, even though I, I think they shouldn't be because in generally I find French people to be quite articulate and, you know, once they get over the confidence issue, they can be very, very fluent and, and so on. But I find that, that people have a bit of a mental block about speaking, probably because of the pronunciation. You know, people are a little bit embarrassed about their pronunciation here in France. Do, do the Spanish tend to have a, a confidence issue too or are they... More no, they do. They do. I agree with you. But I don't know if you've ever taught Asian students from yes. Korea, Japan. They're very, very shy and they're very, very reluctant mm. to speak. I don't think Spanish and, and French are, are, are as bad as that. Yeah. But I do think there's this misconception that you mustn't open your mouth unless everything's correct and everything's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't speak perfect English. I'm, I'm pretty sure you make mistakes on occasion. Yeah, uh, People do. And if you don't make mistakes, you're not going to improve. You're not going to learn. Mistakes are part of the language learning process. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's very important to practice as often as possible. And it's communication. You're communicating with people. As long as you're communicating, if you're communicating, that's fine. Absolutely. So, it, yes, it, it is, that is a problem. But um, it's really important to, to just jump just close your eyes jump start speaking yeah and, and, and you'll improve very quickly how is your spanish by the way it could be better <laughs> where, where, uh, where would you be better where would you place yourself on the sort of level scale i'd place myself speaking and and listening probably um upper intermediate mm-hmm. and and reading and writing intermediate i make mistakes when i speak uh, i've kind of got stuck at that typical intermediate kind of area where i get by i can manage with with spanish but i know it should be better yeah so um i know i should go back and study go back maybe do a course a more advanced course to improve especially when i write emails in spanish i I use the spell check i get nervous when i have to write spanish but but i'm okay on a day-to-day basis i just wish it uh i wish i didn't have so many mistakes when i speak Mm, yeah um well it's all part of the process i suppose as you as you said um how's your french well my french is coming along it's it's um it's slow progress i'll be honest i mean i've i've recently sort of decided that i'm gonna you know really try and push it a bit more um it's not as good as it should be i'm a bit embarrassed by it to be honest but it's just a, a sort of a lifestyle thing you know i think it's a question of um trying to squeeze in um bits of learning into the lifestyle into the habit um and if you don't do that then obviously it's not going to improve like just living in the country and being even being surrounded by people who speak that language it doesn't just sort of magically rub off on you i think it's necessary to do some actual work 
You know, I mean, some people, you know, you hear these stories about people who've traveled to another country and, you know, after a year they come back and they're fluent in the language. Um, But it's, it's, it's rarely because the language just rubbed off you know, in some way, like it's probably because they were put into a very sort of difficult survival situation where they had to, you know, use the language in order to get by in a work environment or something. Um, For me, I, you know, in my job, I teach English. And so I speak English all the time. My colleagues are all English speaking people, even at home with my wife, who is French, we do speak English. So um, despite the fact that I'm in the country, um, if I don't actually, you know, pull out the stops, and work on the language then it's just not going to improve so yeah so yeah, I'm, I, I'm in the same i'm in the same position and it, it does bother me but not enough to do something about it that's the problem <laughs> yeah because you because you can work in english you know you know this is the sort of this is one of the reasons why english people don't learn languages very well because you know it we can survive without it because everyone yeah. speaks english like i go to cafes here in france and i will order my food in french and uh, the the person responds to me in English, <laughs> and I think it's because like the first impression that I give is first of all it's not quite confident enough, and secondly you know the pronunciation is not quite right, and so the I can see it happening that you know the person goes well obviously your your French is rubbish I think we'll conduct this conversation in English. Um, <laughs> I've got the opposite problem. I've been here in Spain for eighteen years. Yeah. And my pronunciation's okay, so I'll walk into a bar or, and ask for a coffee or a beer. They think I'm from here, and straight away it's blah, 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 blah in Spanish, and, and I, I get a bit lost, especially if they're quick speakers. If they speak very quickly, I'm like, ¿qué? ¿qué? What did you say? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. I can't order water, Craig, in, in, in France. I can't say the French word for water in the right de way. De l'eau. Yeah, de l'eau, de l'eau. De l'eau. There's a particular sort of, um, you know, it's quite a different sound that you have to make when you say ooh. And so I, as an English person, I say oh, you know, because I sort of round the sound off. So when I'm ordering a bottle of water, un bouteille d'eau, I I, I always end up saying un bouteille de l'eau or un bouteille d'eau. And honestly, it's like I've started speaking in some alien language. (laughs) Like the, the response I get to that, and like recently I was in a cafe and I asked for some water. I said, uh, carafe d'eau. And the, the waitress was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Coca? And I was like, no, no, du l'eau. She's like, bien? <laughs> no. So after about five minutes, you just order a Coke. Honestly, she was so shocked and surprised. <laughs> like, what is, what is this alien language that you're yeah, speaking? I- I think, um, I think I think we've all been there as expats. I, I was here for two or three months, and my Spanish was was terrible in the first year. And I went into a bar and I ordered a, a café con leche, mm-hmm. which is a coffee with milk and a chocolate croissant. And the guy served me a cup of hot chocolate, a glass of warm milk, and a plain croissant. And I said thank you very much, and I paid him and left. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah you're not going to complain, are you? And he probably walked back to the the bar and was like, "This crazy English guy is ordering <laughs> this weird food. The English are so weird." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, let's go, go. Going back to the FCE stuff now, and and your podcast as well. Um, so the podcast is called uh, English Podcast. Okay, um, you've been doing it what about three years? You said, I think. Yes, there are actually three. The, the website's called inglespodcast.com, okay. but there are three podcasts on the site. 
the main one, the, the weekly one, is the one I do with my co-host, Reza. And that podcast is called Aprender Inglés con Reza y Craig. Which is? Learn English with Reza and Craig. Okay. Um, that's the, the one we, we won an award for last year at the, in, in, back in the UK. Yeah, congratulations. Um, what was the award again? Thank you. It was the New Media Europe Best Education Podcast. Right, great stuff. That we're very proud and honoured to, to have won. Yeah. And I do an interview podcast, and you're one of the featured interviewees on that, and it's on the same website. Uh-huh. In the menu at the top, you can find my interview with Luke. And, um, and the third one that's on a bit of a break at the moment is an FCE exam podcast. So if you're studying for FCE, then pass FCE is the third podcast on the same website. Okay, so the website is uh, englishpodcast.com. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And then you just sort of like look in the menu and you can see it says podcasts and then you can find links for the three types of podcast, the interviews, yeah. the learning English with uh, Reza and Craig and the, the FCE one as well. Okay. Exactly. Also on iTunes as well. They're on iTunes? Okay, yes. great. Um, so for you, what's the difference between teaching in a classroom and doing the podcast? Like, Do, do, you, f- do you find that they're different things? And also, sub-question, um, uh, the sub-question is, well, it's not really a sub-question. It's more just an, an, an additional point um, as an extension to the question. Uh, this, is, this may be the longest question that I've ever asked anyone in, the, in, in my life. But anyway, I'm going to keep going. This is the, the question is still continuing here, by the way. So uh, do you ever find that people, when they know that you do a podcast for learners of English, they assume certain things about what you do as a teacher? Uh, and by that, I mean... In my experience, I find people, when they learn that I do the podcast, they probably start to assume that I'm doing the same kind of thing in both situations. That in the classroom, I do lots of talking. And in the podcast, I do lots of teaching. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference for you between doing the podcast and teaching in class? Sorry, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, to go back to the first part of the question... um... It's interesting because when you first asked me at the beginning of the interview about teaching in in the classroom, Mm. I thought at the back of my mind, yes, it's very different to teaching on the internet. That feeling of interaction and connection with a small group of people face-to-face is rewarding because of that, because it's the human connection. I think it's the thing that we're losing a lot these days, especially with with the change, with the shift to the internet for learning. Um, and I, I think I love doing the live teaching in front of a class thing. Mm. And I think the students really enjoy it too. But teaching on the internet and doing the podcast is rewarding in a different way. Yeah. You don't have that direct connection with a person or people, but you do reach an incredible amount of people all over the world. And when you start getting the feedback, yeah. as I know you do, Luke, from people in different countries yeah um that's really really wonderful that you can reach people using the microphone sitting in 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 your house or your back bedroom or your basement and recording and then putting it out there on the internet excuse me is incredibly rewarding but in a different way yeah now the difference in teaching is interesting because um when you're teaching in front of a class i think it's very dynamic you have a lesson plan, but you mm. think on your feet and, and you react to the way your students are reacting to your material. Mm. It's very dynamic. Um, and when I'm teaching on the podcast, yes, it's me and my co-host speaking with no direct 
student reaction. Yeah. So you are teaching in a different way. So you have to be conscious of that. You have to be aware of that. Although we do get audio feedback, which we include in the podcast, but yeah. obviously it's not as interactive as being in a, in a classroom. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that, hope that sort of answers your question. No, it does. That's, yeah, exactly. Um, do you feel I, the same way? Well, I find that um, on the podcast, I, I, I feel I have to be sort of more entertaining and there's a bit more of a performance involved in some of the episodes I do because they're not all interviews. You know, I do other things like uh, sometimes I'm just sort of doing what essentially is sort of comedy stuff, um, but for learners of English. Um, I hope my listeners realise that I've been doing that. It's, some of it's comedy. Have you realised that, everyone? They might not. <laughs> I don't know if they realise. Uh, but um, uh, so, yeah, the podcast involves some 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 more sort of performance and maybe a bit of entertainment in there. And obviously it's me just doing lots of speaking. Whereas in the classroom, I think it's a bit dangerous to entertain. I think that there is a place for a little bit of entertainment in a classroom, but that you have to be very cautious of starting to do any sort of performance as the teacher and being the centre of attention. I think that's it's really important that you avoid doing that in a classroom. Um, and you know, I, I I just think it's really important to to to, to make the difference between what's essentially sort of being a kind of performer on a podcast and being a teacher. Where in the classroom, I, I think it's important to listen a lot. You know, I've got to put all of the focus on the students, give them things to do. They should be the centre of, of of what's going on, and I'm there to listen to them and to react to them. It's all about them, you know. Uh, whereas doing the podcast, it's 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 a chance for me to just sort of uh, relax and and talk about the things I want to say. Um, so yeah, totally different, really. I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think you're right, but but I I don't agree a hundred percent. I think mm-hmm. when students, especially Spanish students in Spain or other Spanish speaking countries, and French students in France, when they go and pay to go to a language class, I think they expect the teacher to be to a certain extent, an entertainer. I think they go there expecting the teacher to motivate them to do a bit of a song and dance, in inverted yeah. commas, to, to do a little bit of entertaining. But obviously, it, I agree 100%, you need to listen to them, you need to react to their English that they're producing, mm. and you need to be aware not to talk too much and let them t- do a lot of talking. But I still think there's an expectation that we have to... And we are in non-English speaking countries, we are probably the best model mm. of English that, that the students have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of make the lessons fun and to provide them with an example of spoken English and all that sort of thing. I think I just, just I'm personally a little bit cautious of sort of... Uh, Doing a stand-up routine. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah because uh, that could easily happen, you know, because I do stand-up if I'm in front of a room full of people, I could easily just sort of take advantage of that situation. I really mustn't, mustn't do that. I, I remember that from my first ever teaching course that I did way back in 2001. I remember that being a very important point of like, you know, this isn't a performance. You're not there to entertain them. You're there to sort of provide a service to them and to, to listen to them and so on. So I'm, I think personally, I'm just very cautious about that. Um, um, okay. Now um, in your podcast interviews, 
as well as uh, asking your guests about you know the things they do and, and their thoughts on, on all those things, you also have this really cool and fun section, which is these sort of random uh, quick-fire questions. And um, when you interviewed me on your podcast last year, I really enjoyed responding to those questions. So these are questions that you've collected uh, over the years, uh, which are like little fun questions that uh, you're not supposed to think about too much, but you just answer quickly. Oh, now, God, so you're going to put me in the hot seat. Exactly. Now. You're, t- you're turning the tables, Luke. I'm turning the tables on you. You're going to be in the hot seat now. So I thought having asked these questions many times before with your guests, I thought it might be fun for you to be the one who actually answers them this time. So I've, oh got, I've, got, a oh few, I've got a few questions here that you've used before. Um, and I think I'm just going to sort of randomly choose from the questions, okay? Go ahead. So we'll start with the the first one, which is um, if you could be anyone else, who would it be? Anyone else in the in the universe? If you could be anyone else, who would it be, and why? The, Dal- the Dalai Lama. Oh, really? He sounds so happy. He seems so happy. What a nice guy. Yeah. He's not angry. He's not um, depressed. He's always smiling. He's well respected. Yeah, he's happy with what he's got. I nearly, I nearly said Mark Zuckerberg. Really? And I thought, no. Who needs that pressure? Who who needs that aggravation? Yeah. The Dalai Lama. I'd like to be the Dalai Lama. Yeah, it it does seem a, like an appealing lifestyle to be the Dalai Lama. You know, you you just sort of spreading uh, understanding and peace around the world. You don't have to worry about clothing choices. I was thinking that you get up in the morning, you don't have to think what shirt you're going to put on. It's always the same color. Just the same orange robe. Yep. (laughs) Okay. All right. Next one. Um, If Hollywood made a movie about your life, um, whom would you like to see play the lead role as you? So which Hollywood actor would play you in a movie of your life and why? Tom Cruise. (laughs) Okay. Why? Why Tom Cruise? He's got a big nose, he's short, but he's better looking than me. Okay, so he's like an improved version of you. Exactly. He's like an emoticon of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which film would it be then? Like, what would be your, your, your great movie that you'd have? as well, Te- it teaching, a- te- teaching Impossible. Right. Is that where you kind of get lowered into a classroom on a rope? Exactly. It's like, it's like Mission Impossible, but with phrasal verbs. <laughs> okay. Very good. I look forward to seeing that one. Um... Okay, do you have any obsessions? What obsessions do you have? Chocolate. I'm obsessed with, obsessed with chocolate. Ever since I, I stopped drinking alcohol, I've, I've started to overdose on chocolate. That's, that's an obsession. Really? Um, I, I love to keep my desk really, really ordered and neat, and partly because my partner, who's Spanish, is very disorganized. So the only part of the flat that has any resemblance of order and sanity is my work desk, and I guard it with, with my life. If she dares to put a pen or piece of paper on the desk that's not in place, then I, I shout at her and we have an argument. So I'm obsessed about keeping my desk organized. And, and chocolate. And chocolate. Do you have a preferred type of chocolate? Dark chocolate, milk chocolate? Oh, it's got to be dark. It's got to be the, the real drug. It's got to be at least 70% uh, cocoa. Okay. And French chocolate's one of my favorite. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, let's see. If you were a biscuit... Now, you asked me this question. I love this question. If you were a biscuit, which biscuit would you be? Well, I'm, te- I'm tempted to say a bourbon because that's like got a French connection, but I'll probably go for a plain chocolate McVitie's digestive. Oh, good choice. Very what did good. you say? 
I said I would be a custard cream. A custard cream, that's it, a custard be- cream. Because I have a, 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 a sort of a crust on the outside, but once you get through, I'm soft and sweet in the middle. <laughs> so you'd, you'd be the chocolate digestive. Yes, it's always been my favourite biscuit, and um, because of the dark chocolate theme on the top there, it kind mm. of reflects my personality. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? From a it? chocolate perspective. Uh, can you buy them in Spain? You can now. You never used to be able to, so I suffered for a few years, but now they're available at um, all good supermarkets here. You can get them in France too, right? McVitie's Chocolate Digestives, and they advertise them. And uh, the adverts that they have, like these posters that you see on the Metro, uh, they say, that they go like this, McVitie's to- Chocolate Digestives. They're English, but they're good. <laughs> Honestly, is it, is it is it they're English, comma, but they're good? Yes, <laughs> classic. Ils sont anglais, mais uh, what is it like? Ils sont anglais, mais c'est bon. Like they're English, <laughs> mais, c'est bon. mais c'est bon. Yeah, they're c'est English, bon. but actually they're quite good. Honestly, yeah. surprisingly, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Like leave our biscuits alone, France. Okay, the only good the only good thing we have are our biscuits. Don't don't knock our biscuits. Yeah, don't take our biscuits away from us. Leave us something for God's sake. Yeah. Um, okay. This is one. This is another one of your questions, and it's uh, what does your childhood smell like? Which is a question that I wish you'd asked me because I love that question. But what what does your childhood smell like, Craig? <laughs> cut cut grass because as a, as a very small child, I remember uh, rolling in cut grass, and the smell of it was mm. very sweet, and I and I loved that. And and petrol because uh, as as a kid I used to I was very mischievous I used to do things that were quite naughty and quite bad. What like you used to burn so, things with petrol? No, I used to steal petrol caps from cars. And and back in the days where petrol caps were not locked with a key, yeah, you could quite easily take them off. And and my friend and I used to walk around the street stealing these these petrol caps and keeping them in a plastic bag <laughs> that smelt of petrol. <laughs> Why don't you used to like keep them in your room and every now and then you'd like look in the bag and like have a, a whiff of the petrol. Have a whiff of the petrol. And, and we're not in the room. We kept them in an alley near because we didn't want right. to get caught. So we kept them in this alley behind a bush in this back street <laughs> behind the house. And uh, I've always loved the smell of petrol ever since. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those things that you either love or hate, right? You know? Yeah. Like, like Marmite. Like Marmite. <laughs> like Marmite and Margaret Thatcher. Yes. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see which uh, which other questions have you got? Um, okay, whose face comes to mind when you think of the word punchable? So, who do you think has a punchable face? Who would I like to punch? Yeah, who would um, you like to punch in the face? At the moment, the the most punchable face that comes to mind is Donald Trump. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but that's fairly recent, so I'll stick with Donald Trump. Donald, at the moment. Tr- yeah, he's getting far too much media coverage. Impressed, and he deserves. He um he's done very well in the in the primaries. I know. It's Super Tuesday today. Yeah, which is like you know this big day when lots of voting goes on in the in the primaries, and he's he's like the front runner by quite a long way. What does that say about our American friends? I wonder. Goodness knows, Craig. Goodness knows. But there's a chance that uh, you know Trump might be in the White House, and and back in Britain we might end up with uh, Boris Johnson in Ten yeah. Downing Street. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's going on with bad hair and you know heads of uh heads of countries? 
Heads of heads of bad hair. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's time to move to India and move in with the Dalai Lama. To be yeah, honest, I think so. All right. Um, let's see. Um, now then, uh, dogs or cats? Dogs, definitely. Why? Cats. I've never. When I was about seven or eight, I picked up a cat in the street, a neighbor's cat, and as I was stroking it, a dog walked past, and the cat took out its claws and scratched my arm to pieces. Oh. And ever since then, I've not been very keen on cats. And they're very independent and very – they look down their nose at you um, and, and they, they, they only really live with you. Have you got a cat? No, I used to. used to have a cat, yeah. So you're a, you're a, you're a cat person. I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dog. I like the fact that dogs are very faithful, that they come when they're called, that they'll be your friend. And I, I do love dogs, but I'm not, I've never been very – keen with of cats at all i'm i'm keen on cats sorry i'm a fan of cats myself i just find them hilarious they're just ridiculous creatures and i like the fact that i don't have to you know like you don't really have to do much when you've got a cat you know that's the thing so you whatever you put into the relationship with (laughs) with your cat do you do you really get it back i mean if you invest in a dog emotionally it will reward you yeah cats are ultimately selfish creatures aren't they but, but you can't, I don't think you can convince people otherwise. It's a bit like politics. I can't talk you around. No, you can't. No, no. Because the thing about dogs is that they're just oh, too needy. <laughs> too high maintenance, Craig. Yeah. You know, okay. I don't want a dog like, oh, the dog, play with me. Look, give me attention. It's just like, can you just go and like, uh, I don't know, just go and hang out in someone else's house for a while. A dog would never, <laughs> a dog would never do that, would it? Like, no, cat, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Cats, sometimes cat, they just disappear wouldn't. for a few days. And you realise they've been sleeping in someone else's on someone else's bed. Doesn't that bother you that they're well, so fic- fickle? No, not really. No, I, I don't know why, but I'm not bothered. Because I guess it's because ultimately I don't want to have to do. I don't want to have to like you know work hard to have a pet. You know, I like the fact that dogs are faithful and they're man's best friend and stuff like that. But also sometimes I wish they would just go away and leave me alone for a while. So I quite like the fact that cats are like, yeah, you you know, you go and have your life. I'll have my life. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we'll just, we'll, we'll meet up, we'll hang out for a bit. I'll lick my testicles in the corner. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the cat's like, okay, and uh, what will I be doing while you're doing that? <laughs> Lol. Um, okay. All right. So la- final question, uh, which person de- uh, or people dead or alive would you like to have dinner with? And, I guess you mean that the person, the, the dead person would somehow be brought back to life. It wouldn't just be like a, having a dead guy at the dinner table. That would, would be, be weird. A zombie, a zombie meal, yeah, of people eating each other, perhaps. So, um, assuming you could bring someone back to life who's dead, uh, who would you have dinner with? Well, the dead person that comes to mind must be John Lennon. I'd like to have... Uh, I'd like to meet John Lennon and, and ask him a few things. Mm. And... Um, I'd love to have the stones round for, for lunch, the rolling stones, and, yeah. and that would be a fun meal, I think. It would be lunch, would it? Um, <laughs> yeah, because then the session would, would extend itself into the evening, so right. it, would be a, it, would, it would end up, it would start very civilised, and, and just I'd, I'd ask them things, and then it would sort of develop into this wild party. Yeah. If they're still, if they're still doing that kind of thing. If, I they're, don't still, know. if they're still alive at that point. If they can still do that, but you could, um, bring, you could bring them back from the death, if, from the dead, if they did pass away during the lunch. 
Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, Keith Richards, um, Mick Jagger, they'd be fun to to talk to. They would be, wouldn't Um, they? Who else? Let's see. Gandhi would be, not the same same lunch, obviously, but Gandhi, uh, maybe for breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. A a light breakfast. A light breakfast, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Well, Craig, thank you very much for talking to me today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast. Um, I hope you have a really nice day there in Valencia and that the sun keeps shining. Thanks very much. And um, so just remind my listeners how they can find you and your podcast again. Yes, the podcast is at inglespodcast.com and the website for learning English is mentioningles.com. And uh, both those websites will lead you to the usual places like Facebook and Twitter, etc. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you, Craig. Have a great day. Thanks, Luke. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. So that was my conversation with Craig Wheland. I hope you enjoyed it. Head over to his website to check out the podcast, especially if you're a Spanish speaker. And I know that there are a lot of you listening to this. But if you do go and check out his podcast, just promise me one thing. Don't forget about me, okay? Uh, Now, remember all the vocab and expressions that I listed earlier in the episode. Remember that? Uh, Well, that's all going to be explained and clarified in the next episode of this podcast, unless I get abducted by aliens or something and I can't upload it. But if all goes to according to plan, the next episode will be uh, explanations and clarifications of all that vocab, all right? So... We've had the starter, that was the preamble. Uh, We've had the main course, that was the interview. And now here is the dessert. Uh, What's for dessert, you might be saying? Let's just say it's a cake, all right? It's It's a cake made from announcements. It's an announcement cake or a sort of a comment cake. Um, basically, the dessert here at the end is just some announcements, some more announcements um, and bits of news. So it's like an announcement cake covered in news, uh, sort of like a sort of uh, toppings, new toppings of news and announcements in the form of a cake. What are you talking about, Luke? You're just rambling like a crazy person. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. I do that, don't I, sometimes? Yes, I do. Just get on with it, Luke. Okay, I'll get on with it. So, Now, if you enjoyed the conversation in this episode and you'd like to hear more, then you might like to know that uh, I'll be speaking to Craig and some guests tomorrow on Blab um, at five o'clock Central European time. All right. So I'll be on Blab talking to Craig and some other guests tomorrow. Um, That's tomorrow, Thursday, the 10th of March, 2016 at 5 p.m. Central European time. And we're going to talk about comedy. And you can join us if you want. Um, just click, um, well, if, you on, if you're on the page for this episode, just click the link here to check it out. Um, this really here is a message for those of you who listen to this podcast as soon as it's published. Because I expect that many of you will have missed the conversation that I'm going to have on Blab now. But never mind. I think that you... I think you should have a look at Blab anyway. It's a cool platform, which is an interesting way to just listen to people talking online or do some speaking if you're up for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get this? Blab. What's Blab? You might be thinking, what's Blab, Luke? 
Okay, I'll tell you. So Blab is an app and a website that allows you to have video conversations online. I don't work for Blab or anything. They're not sponsoring the podcast. I'm just mentioning it because I'm going to be on Blab tomorrow and I thought you might like to you know, get involved. Um, so Blab is a bit like Periscope, but instead of just one person talking, you can have four people talking. And everyone else can sort of watch the conversation, listen to it, and add comments and questions. Um, You can get Blab as an app on your phone uh, or just through your web browser on your computer. And if you'd like to join us tomorrow, if you're listening to, if you're a super duper keen listener and you're you're listening to this immediately after it's been uploaded, um, you will be able to check out Blab. If you're if you're not, if you're kind of listening to this a little bit later, like I'm sure some of you are. Um, then you've probably missed the Blab conversation. But if you've got time, and or if you've got a time machine and you'd like to go back to Thursday the 10th of March at 5pm Paris time, uh, you can click this link that you'll find on the website. Can you hear that noise? I don't know if you can hear that. There's an alarm going off in my kitchen. It's not a fire alarm or anything. It's, it's just the timer because I'm cooking my, my lunch. So yeah, it's lunchtime. I'm now going to pause the podcast and eat my lunch, uh, and I'll, I'll start again in a moment, and I'll continue to tell you some stuff, okay? So you're eating your dessert, well, your sort of podcast dessert, a, a cake, as I said earlier, and I'm now going to have my lunch. It's all weird. Everything's all weird today uh, at this point in the podcast. Oh, dear. Okay, I'm going to pause, have my lunch, and I'll carry on in a moment. Okay, so the, here's a little, here's the noise of lunch. Okay, and then uh, we'll carry on. Lunch is ready. I'm eating my lunch. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. Avocado. Yum, 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 Okay, so that was the sound of my lunch, which uh, I have now finished. Um, okay, but uh, Wiss, you're still on your... Well, you're just beginning the dessert part of this episode of the podcast. Am I stretching the metaphor too far? I am? Okay. Right, anyway, so I've just told you about Blab, didn't I? I just told you about that. Um, and uh, so that's that. Okay. Also, let me just um, give you a quick reminder about italki. And I'm going to be really quick. Italki. You can use it to improve your English. Native speakers, actual speaking conversation. It's all online. It's in the comfort of your home, your own home. It's very good. Um, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash teacherluke. Some people have already left comments on my website saying, I'm, all, I'm using italki now. It's brilliant. Um, you know, I've had a few messages from people saying, I've checked out italki. I, I give it the thumbs up. So it's getting the thumbs up from listeners. People are using it. They've got something like 2 million people using italki already. So I'm sure that some of you already knew about it. But anyway, italki, give it a try. Don't be shy. You might be shy. You might be thinking, oh, I don't want to speak to native speakers. I'm too, I'm too shy. Don't be shy. Give it a try. Okay? Teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. Okay? Or click an italki logo on my website. All right? Now, this is almost it for the episode. I would just like to still ramble on a little bit more about some other podcast-related news and admin, okay, as we proceed through this uh, bit of podcast cake in the dessert section of this episode. Um, so there's a new comments system uh, on my website. Have you noticed? 
Um, as ever, I invite you to to leave your comments on the page for this episode, and in fact, every other episode I do. Um, you might have noticed recently that I have a new comment system on the website. That means I've basically I'm using a new sort of plugin for my website, which means the comments are slightly different. It's better, I hope. I hope you agree that it's better. I'm now using the Discus or Discuss system, as D I S Q U S, which is like a comments system that uh, many many websites are using these days. It's basically an inbuilt comment system on my website. If you've seen it, then let me know how it's working for you. It should be smoother and more user friendly than the previous comment system. And for me, the improvements are these things. And I've decided I'm now going to play a little bit of music while I'm talking to you about the improvements, just to kind of, I don't know, what, just just for fun. Uh, All right. So I'd now like to tell you about the new comment system, which you can find on every page of teacherluke.co.uk. You can now easily upload pictures into your comments. That means that you can share images, your own photos and memes and things like that. If you include a link in your comment, it should now appear automatically and will automatically be clickable. The old comment system used to do weird things with links sometimes. They'd make them disappear and stuff like that. But the new comment system should be link-friendly. Some video content also will automatically embed which means that if you put a link to a YouTube video in your comment, <coughs> excuse me, it will automatically become an embedded YouTube video in your comment. Lovely. Discuss is used on lots and lots of websites. So if you sign into Discuss, then you can comment on lots of other websites using the same profile. And you can keep track of the comments that you've made on my website and any other website using Discuss. You just log in and just check uh, your notifications. Comments can now be deleted or edited by you. So if you've made an error or something, then you can correct it later. How's this working for you, by the way, ladies and gents? This smooth music in the background? Somehow it makes it more sincere and maybe maybe even slightly emotional in a weird way. Um, If you sign up to Discuss, you can also get email notifications when other people reply to your comments. So it should now be easier to keep track of the conversations between you and other Lepsters on different pages of my website. When you leave a comment with the new system, it won't reload the whole page when you submit your comment like with the old system. Yes, that used to happen with the old system. You'd leave a comment you press submit comment and the whole page would reload, which was a bit annoying if you wanted to comment and listen at the same time, right? But now, with the new comment system, you can listen and comment and it won't interrupt the episode by reloading the page, which is nice. Show us your face. The new Discus system lets you show your own photo next to your comments. If you sign in with Twitter or Facebook into Discus, it'll show your Twitter or Facebook picture, or you can just upload another photo to your Discus profile. If you just log in as a guest when you leave a comment, that means that uh, that that just means that you give a name and an email address, but you don't have a full Discus account or anything. If you do that, then you will appear as an LEP ninja with a little photo of an LEP ninja. 
as you jump out of the shadows, leave your comment, and then disappear into the night. All the old comments that you've left on teacherluke.co.uk before are still there and they can still be read. And at this moment in time, the website has had about 10,000 comments in total across all the pages. They're all still there. So the Discuss system should help to build more of a community feeling on teacherluke.co.uk. For full details about comment notifications and how to control the different notifications that you can get uh, on that system, then um, just visit the page for this episode and you'll find a link. Uh, Click on it and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Okay? All right. So, as ever, I invite you to leave your comments on pages of Luke's English Podcast at teacherluke.co.uk. Join the community. Use the Discus system in order to connect, communicate, and uh, something, another word beginning with C, uh, confirm uh, the things that you really believe about Luke's English podcast. Right, so there you go. That was a slightly randomly um, thrown together uh, musical set of comments about comments on the website. I hope that you understood all of that. Um, right, so it's good to see that so many of you have written your comments on recent episodes particularly episode number 332, which was about your commitments to learning English. Um, Right, so in episode 332, Ollie Richards and I suggested that you write your your commitments to learning English in the comments section. Um, And so many of you have done that. And it's also nice to see that Ollie himself is getting involved and actually writing some comments and messages of encouragement there for you in the comments section for episode 332. Also, I'm glad that lots of you enjoyed the misheard lyrics in the last episode of this podcast. That was just, that was a bit of a laugh, wasn't it? I hope so for you. It was for me. I I love doing stupid episodes of the podcast like that, as you uh, can probably tell. Uh, One thing I'd like to correct Um, actually, is that Meg and Jack from the White Stripes aren't, in fact, brother and sister. I said that they were brother and sister. They're not. In fact, they were married to each other for many years. So I just wanted to clarify that. For some reason, I I always thought they were siblings, but no, they were actually an item, which is a bit weird now. I don't know why I thought they were brother and sister, Uh, but I was wrong. Uh, In fact, they they were married. That may explain why Jack... Uh, Jack White was so upset about what happened with me at band practice and why he then decided to um, chuck me out of the band. If you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, then just go back to episode 333 and listen to the whole thing and it will all become clear. Another nice thing I wanted to add here in this post-interview bonus section bit of podcast cake, dessert, That metaphor's not working, is it? No, it's not. Anyway, another thing I'd like to add here at the end is that um, so many people have voted for their favourite pictures in the Luke's English English podcast. What's going on with my head? I don't know. Uh, So many people voted for their favourite pictures in the Luke's English podcast photo competition. Voting is now closed for that. Um, So if you forgot to vote, then sorry, that's just your hard cheese. That's just your hard cheese, which is like, you know, a way of saying sorry, but that's just the bad, that's just bad for you. You're just going to have to uh, put up with the fact that that's bad, you know, like that's just unfortunate for you. That's just your hard cheese. Um, 
I'll let you know about the winning pictures in the picture competition in due course. Um, but all in all, that's it for this episode. Remember that the next episode um, should be about that list of vocabulary and expressions from the interview with Craig. I'll explain them and clarify them, which should help you both understand and pick up some vocabulary. Um in this long and enjoyable journey into the acquisition of natural English. So, next stop is vocabulary in episode 335. Unless, as I said, for some reason I can't upload episode 335, like if I get abducted by aliens or just something less exciting, like, for example, I just have too much work to do. But... Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end of another long episode of Luke's English Podcast. You are a truly wonderful, attentive and patient human being and good things are bound to come your way sooner or later if there's any justice in this world. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.